I'm going to ask Brian and Alma to come and join me at the front. And uh, Brian and Alma have agreed to take the hot seat between them. So I'm going to give them each a microphone. Alma, if you sit here and take that one. And uh, Thank you so much for agreeing to uh, come and tell us something of your story. really do appreciate it and I realize it's not necessarily what you would choose to do of a Sunday night, uh, <laughs> go places and talk about yourself, but uh, I think as we have known before, it is really a special opportunity around the Lord's table to hear something of what it means to follow Christ and to be a disciple of Christ. And so uh, tonight I have a, a few questions I'm going to ask you, and start with the simple ones, Brian. Simple? Yeah. <laughs> That's me, <really> simple. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your background, family, sure. where are you from? Sure. Um, well, I think we agreed that I would sort of fill in the background for both of us, because it might get a bit tedious if we both go over the same thing. And really our lives are quite intertwined from an early, an early age. So we're both from East Belfast. Um, Alma's from Knock, and I'm from the less salubrious Castlereagh. So um, we both were brought up in Great Victoria Street Baptist Church, um, and we went there as children, and we knew each other from Sunday school and that type of thing. Um, we both became Christians again as children, um, and we grew up through the what used to be the BYF. It's got trendy names like Clay and Transit and things now, but it was the BYF in those days. Um, and we started going out together um, uh, really mid-teens, I suppose. And uh, we were baptized again in Great Victoria Street um, on the same evening. Um, I think I was 17, I was 16, possibly. Um, and then, after a very loving courtship, we were married in our early 20s again in Great Victoria Street. It's a lot to answer for this church, but uh, we were married and uh, subsequently set up home in Newton Arge. And uh, we were there for seven years and then we moved to Hillsborough. Um, and we have been there ever since. That's about 33 years ago. Um, we have uh, two children, Catherine, who is 37. Keep me right. <laughs> um, and Michael, who's 33. Um, Catherine has two boys, uh, Joel and Luke, who are uh, nine and seven, respectively. Um, so that's sort of our family situation. Um, Work-wise, um, I left school when I was 18 and went straight into the insurance uh, business and was there um, until my retirement about three years ago. Uh, Alma also was in insurance, but uh, took the easy way out when Catherine arrived and uh, stayed at home. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> drank, drank coffee with her friends and did uh, all the things that ladies do, ladies who lunch and that sort of thing, yummy mummies as they're known nowadays. Um, and then when Michael went to primary school, uh, she went back to work part-time just in an accounts office uh, in Hillsborough. Um, so I think that's probably as much as I can tell you without boring you to death. No, I think you've already uh, heated up the discussion, I'm sure, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I feel there's a wave of questions that are going to be coming <laughs> your direction, Brian, but uh, we'll move on, and we're going to come to what many of us uh, are aware of as, as being kind of major health concerns, especially for you, Alma, uh, that you faced in 2015. But 
But as you think about life, what other difficulties do you think have there been or prepared you for last year? Or has it been a, generally a fairly uh, a nice set of lunches and uh, <laughs> life together? Well, up until about 2012, we had trundled along quite nicely. Everything came in the right order and was going well. And then, sadly, Catherine's marriage broke up. And so she came home to us for a little while with the boys. And that was quite difficult to adjust to. And within six months, our son had three of his closest friends killed in a farming accident. So within six months, our world had turned completely upside down. Um, as parents, you want to try and fix everything for your children and make it all right, but we couldn't do that. All we could do was pray. Um, you can't fix things and make them better when they're 37 and 33. Um, so we just, it was quite a life-changing yeah. experience, all of that. And it brought us closer together in our faith. Mm -hmm. And as I say, we just, as a family, in spite of all the traumas, we were all much closer and supported each other. Mm. So Great. there was something good came out of that too. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I think, you know, um, it's only when problems hit you that you really <coughs> test your faith. Um, it's very easy when everything's great. Um, and probably I'm ashamed to say that maybe there's times whenever, you know, I wouldn't have been as close to God simply because, you know, you didn't need him, which is an awful thing to say, but that's probably the reality of, well, I'm just being honest, I don't know whether anybody can uh, have an affinity with that or not, but um, that's how it was. But, um, you know, we often said when we were going through that particular situation, you know, we didn't know how people who had no faith actually got through those situations, um, and God certainly was faithful and, and got us through them. Um, I think also at that time we were beginning to feel that perhaps we weren't um, in the church or we weren't worshipping in the place where we maybe felt God would have us. And he seemed to be prompting us to maybe to move, move on, but um, we, we really hadn't any clear guidance as to what to do. We just felt we should uh, move on. Um, and I'm maybe preempting a bit, Gordon, no, but... No, I, yeah, yeah. Um, so <coughs> Stephen Adams, a, a close friend, had suggested that we come here um, just as sort of respite care, for want of a better word. Um, and obviously we had known David for, for many years, um, and I had had a chat with him, and he was more than happy that uh, we could come uh, here and just uh, probably sit in the back seat and and take rather than give anything and um, we did come along and really that was our intention just to come for um, a few months um, and try to keep in the background as much as possible. Um, <coughs> we're both, well me particularly would be very shy and retiring so um, I, I found it quite easy just to slip in and out but um, anyway uh, I suppose um, as we came People in this church, as everyone will know, um, it's such a friendly place. Um, people are so caring, and um, it wasn't long before we were drawn into conversations, maybe which we hadn't really 
anticipated that we would get involved with <clears throat> and uh, we soon started to forge friendships and um, as a result we almost three years later we're, we're still here um, and we've made many good friends and uh, we've enjoyed David's ministry and uh, we've been very happy here. Mm, thank you. What, was your, what were your first impressions when you came to, Win to Windsor Elm? Yeah, do, please. No, tr truth is preferable. It's okay. Are you suggesting I haven't been to <laughs> No. Um, whenever I came in, um, I, I am the shy one. Um, and I said to Brian, can we just sit in the back seat? Because I don't want... Please don't let anybody speak to me. Um, I certainly don't want to get involved in anything. And I just wanted to slip out nice and quietly. But Brian, of course, being Brian, got into conversations with people all the time. And then we'd go out and I'd say, why did you speak to those people? I don't want anybody to speak to me. You know, we had come through so much and we were hurting and afraid, I suppose. But um, Brian, being Brian, got himself involved in things and got onto the committee and pulse and all sorts of things like that. I'm just a young sort of uh, <laughs> construct, you understand. <laughs> I'm not quite the age for it yet. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The people here have been so friendly and kind to us. It taught me a lesson that you never come into church here and there isn't somebody speaks to you. No matter who you're sitting beside, somebody always will say, hello, how are you? What sort of a week have you had? And that's taught me a lesson to speak to other people because you don't know what's been going on in people's lives through the week and just have a friendly face say, you know, have you had a good week? And I do always start off my conversations by saying, forgive me if you've been a member here for 20 years, but I don't know you. <laughs> so it's just, we've learned so much from coming here. Well, I think the reason why you're up at the front here tonight is that you've opened yourselves to us and you haven't hidden away on the back row. Uh, and Alma, just over a year ago, you received some bad news. What was that and how did that affect your outlook on life? It turned our world upside down. Uh, just over a year ago, I had a diagnosis of lung cancer, and it was inoperable, and they said they couldn't do anything. So um, it just was real shock to me, because everybody had said, oh, sure, you're fine, and the tests kept coming back, no, there's no infection or whatever, and then it turned out that this is what it was, caused by asbestos, and we have no idea how I got it. But um, the... It wasn't very um, reassuring what they did say about our, our diagnosis. I see I even share this with Brian because I talk about our diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> so he shares everything. Um, <clears throat> it was a very surreal experience. Um, the next morning after the diagnosis, David came in and David, I don't think, is very keen on hospitals, but he was brave and he came in and sat at my bed and we sort of looked at each other and we didn't know what to say, as in, what happens now? I mean, we weren't expecting this. And he held my hand and we didn't talk really very much. He said, I don't know what to say to you. And that meant the world to me because he just sat there and held my hand. And at I was in the middle of getting this talc thing put into my lung and sort of they were turning me about and he sat there through it all so it just meant so much and it's things like that that really have helped um, then they decided that I would go for chemo 
and um, <clears throat> I went along to see the oncologist and whenever she went through all my test results and everything, she did my bloods and they came back and she said, it was just sort of a <sighs> and we looked at each other and she said, you've got very low white blood count, it's only 2.5 and I'm sure that means something to all you medics in here, it didn't mean a lot to us and she said, couldn't possibly start chemo. She says, you'll have to go to the city, to haematology, and get tests done there, which I did. And um, the consultant there said, um, I think that's just your makeup, because I always seem to have had a low white blood count. And she said, go back, and I think I should go ahead with the chemo. So we went back to the Ulster, and went in to see the consultant there. And they did the blood tests that morning. Now, we had obviously shared this with our friends and in church here. And we went back that day, and their blood results came back. And she says, well, you're not going to believe this, but your blood is up to eight. Now, I hadn't had any medication or anything. It was the power of prayer did that. And we looked at each other, and we just said, well, we know why it's going like that. And... It has given me an opportunity, even in that simple thing, that I was able to go into work. Um, I just visited, I didn't go back into work, I just popped in and out occasionally. And I went back in, and to people that I had never really been able to talk to about God, I was fired up, and I said, and you'll never guess, and my blood's update, and they're going to start the chemo next week, and that was God, and the prayer, and everybody in my church is praying for me, and it just gave me a chance to talk to people that I wouldn't normally have done. So then we went back and we started the chemo. And every time I was due to get the chemo, I was able to get it. You know, some people think they have infections and so on, but mine was able to go through all right. And um, apart from halfway through, the bloods were down and they gave me blood transfusion. And I sat and cried as I got the blood, as I was so thankful to some person who had gone and donated their blood for me. And I thought, that's really a bit like Jesus, isn't it? You know, um, it just meant the world to me that somebody had given blood for me. So then uh, chemo finished in June. Um, it wasn't all a laugh a minute. Um, uh, I did feel God was very close to me. But there were times that I felt he had left me um, when I was lying in bed feeling very sick. And I would cry out to God, please let this pass. But he didn't. And I just had to get through it, my, not myself, because I knew he was there. Um, but it, it has passed, thankfully. Chemo's all done. Um, and I've been back and had a scan in the summer, and then another one there in November, and it's all doing very well. Everybody's very impressed with them. And um, I remember Brian Johnson said to me about the chemo before it started, and I said something to him, and he says, but the chemo will do what the chemo's meant to do, and God will do the rest. And that's something that's dead with me all the time, because I think God certainly did his bit. Um, I think any of us who had the opportunity to 
journey with you through last year will recognize you were not putting up any pretense, you were telling it as it is. There must have been those times where you felt, how can I pray? Where is God in this situation? Uh, how did you get help and support in those times when you felt at the limit and you didn't know what to pray for or do? Well, I found that whenever I couldn't pray, there were so many other people praying for me. Um, I'm not very keen on being closed in places, so a CT scan was quite an ordeal for me. And I remember them putting me into the machine, and I thought, oh, please don't let me panic, don't have to lie here. And, you know, and I thought, right. I prayed all about it, of course, and well, it didn't seem to be getting anywhere. And I said, okay, let's start and think of all the people I know who have said to me, I'll pray for you on Monday morning, whatever. And I started to count through the people, and before it was all over before I got to the end. So I just knew that everybody was with me there helping. A friend of mine had said, there's times whenever you feel so poorly that you can't pray, but there's others praying for you. And I just have had... God moments, as we would call them. One of them being one of the days I went for the scan and we walked into the Lagan Valley and there was Sally walking down the corridor. And he said, oh, I didn't know you were coming today. And he just took over and took control. And it was just lovely to see that friendly face. I did have another time when I had was supposed to go out for coffee, believe it or not. This is the coffee coming in again. <laughs> we soon resumed. I was supposed to meet uh, my sister was taking me out for coffee and then it had to be cancelled because some of her grandchildren were poorly. So it was rearranged for the next week and she said about going to this different place that we don't normally go to. And uh, we went in and sat down and there was four ladies came and sat at the table beside us. And I didn't really pay much attention to them. We were chatting and then one of them just leaned over and touched me in the arm. And she said, hello, Alma, I haven't seen you for ages, but I've been praying for you. And this was a very godly lady that we had known for quite a number of years. And she said, I've heard all about your situation and everything. And she started to chat to me and I said, I don't really, I normally don't come here. And I was meant to come last week and then I couldn't make it. And she said, I don't come here either. I don't like this place either. And I couldn't come last week and I came today. And I just... It was just one of those moments where you think, this is an amazing thing happening. And um, she said, I'll just pray with you. Well, in normal circumstances, I would have been under the table because <laughs> I thought, please don't do anything in, in public like that. So um, she said, I'll pray for you. But I didn't mind. I was quite happy to stand there. And she prayed for me. And I would have, she said, I really believe that God has a purpose in this for you and that he was going to see you through this. And she said, I'll, ju I'll just pray now. And she prayed. And I had this amazing feeling came over me. And I've never experienced it before. And it, but to me, it was a real God moment. And I was buzzing whenever I come out. I was so excited. Because it, it always happens to other people. But things like that don't happen to me. So it really, just, there are so many times that we things, somebody would text you and send you a verse. Or um, you get a card or something like that. And just... I just ask you to, if you know somebody going through something like this, send them a text or a card 
or like some of my good friends, leaving a lasagna or something. You know, it means so much when somebody just pops in or people would ring. Brian was on phone duty. He kept going to answer all the calls. Fortunately, Brian had retired and he was able to don his nurse's uniform and... Well, <laughs> do you think this is too much information? <laughs> I have to give credit to him. He, he did turn out to be quite a good nurse. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the penny always suited you very well too, man. <laughs> but, uh, Alma, you said there a moment ago, God has a purpose for this. This lady who met you in the coffee shop had that conviction that God had a purpose. What was that purpose? And what's the situation now? As I said, the CT scans have come back and they all look... Maybe we should have Sally up. He could give you a wee update. Um, <clears throat> but there's no fluid because part of the problem started off whenever my lung actually filled with fluid and, and collapsed. So um, there's no fluid back there and um, it seems to be doing very well. Um, obviously, it's something I'm going to have to live with. There's no guarantee it's not going to come back. But we just keep living. I don't have to go back for another scan until March, so that it's getting longer in between times. Um, it has given me opportunities, as I said, to speak to people that I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have normally been brave enough to speak to people. Um, but I have found that I have this courage now, and I feel after all God has done for me, I have to get out there and say something. Mm -hmm. I did feel throughout it all that, that it has to teach me lessons to reach out to people. Um, and there's so many people who have problems of all sorts, and just to be able to draw alongside, um, we're not upfront people, surprisingly enough. Um, but. I think there's so many ways you can draw alongside people without, you know, it being a big thing. And it's taught me lessons that I have to speak out. Mm -hmm. um, whenever you approached us and said about coming to speak tonight, and I just said to Brant, well, after all God has done for me, I can't say no. <laughs> so, and that's just the way I feel about it, because it's been so good to me, so good to us. And then at Christmas time, on Christmas Eve, we were all gathered around the table, and Catherine said, um, I think we should all start, and every week we're going to say something that we have to thank God for, or some, something that is good in our lives. And she says it can be very simple, like a nice coffee somewhere, or something like that. And uh, so Brand started, and of course I was the number one. <clears throat> and then we had sort of, we all went around the table and everybody had something. And the next, on the Sunday, she said, right, let's do it again. So you sort of sit there and think, right, what's it going to be today? So I said, well, I had been thinking about it, and I had to thank God that my illness had brought us so much closer together as a family, and also that he'd brought me in particular and Brian too, I think, all of us so much closer to God. And I can't look back and say that that was a, a disaster in my life, mm -hmm. to be honest, I, I just, whenever I got the news, and I thought, right, this is it, I'm going to die now soon. And I thought, um, the dying bit and what's afterwards doesn't frighten me at all. I'm quite confident with that. I didn't, I didn't like the idea of having to leave my family. 
but I wasn't afraid of what was going to come after. Once it got over the actual dying, that I wasn't very keen on that idea. Either. But you know, I thought, I wasn't afraid of, of what's beyond. And I just had this peace. It didn't mean that there was nights that I sort of wakened in the middle of the night and I thought, am I dying? Is this what it feels like? To, to be, you know, do you have the, is this what it's like? To know that you haven't got very long to live. But the chemo has done so well and the power of prayer has done even better. Alma and Brian, thank you so much for fulfilling the purpose by telling us this story and testifying to God's grace in your life. And we know this isn't the end of the journey, but we do rejoice with you at the good news so far and appreciate so much your openness to come and tell us a bit more about this. We're going to sing a song. Which, could I just say yeah. one I thing? I need to say something oh. too. Okay, yes. Uh, <laughs> right. Brian, you go first. Yeah. And then I'll, okay. Uh, well, I, I, I just wanted to, to conclude by saying that, you know, we are not unique and that there's so many people have problems and problems worse than ours. And I, I don't want to be sitting up here as poor us or, you know, look how awful things have been for us because... Um, you know, I, I'm conscious that other people are going through things and um, as a friend of ours once said, your own pain is the worst. So, you know, it doesn't matter what we've been through. If you're going through something else um, or have been through or you're facing something, I mean, that, that's, that's very important. And all we want to do is just um, to acknowledge the faithfulness of God to us and to assure you that he will be faithful to you as well. Um, so I just want to make that clear that mm -hmm. it's not the purpose that we were intending to indicate okay. that, you know, we have had the worst life than anybody in the whole world type of thing. So, okay. uh, so, that's, that's all yeah, my wee bit was um, that I had got that song, My Guardian, and it just kept me going through everything. And... I wear contact lenses, so when I have to take them out and I can't see, I'm sort of disorientated. I don't like this feeling. So, you know, they, when they take you to theatre, they won't let you wear your glasses or your lenses or anything. <laughs> it's very upsetting. So they came to take me to theatre, and I just sang the whole way to myself about my guardian and God being with me and walking beside me. And I got myself down there, and you know, in the Royal, you go forever on your trolley, and they take you down into the theatre. And just as I went through the doors into the Anethodist room, they said, no, you have to take her back. Uh, there's been an emergency, and we can't do it now. You may take her away and bring her back later. And I thought, I'm going to have to sing this all again. <laughs> <laughs> so they took me back up, and I came. But that song has just upheld me so much. And we used to play it in the car in the morning when we were heading to the chemo in the Ulster. So it's just things like that that carry you through and to know that God walks beside you and he's there before you. And that's why I've requested it tonight.